You're listening to Investigation Insiders by Integris Intelligence. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Investigation Insiders. This is Farhad. Hope you are all doing well. It's August in New York. It's hot. It's humid. The pandemic is starting to rage again. Schools are hopefully preparing to uh, reopen, and we are recording our 19th episode of this podcast. Uh, Thank you all for your support and feedback. It means a lot to us that people are enjoying the content. As usual, we have a very, very special guest joining us today. In fact, he has the distinction of being the first person outside of the U.S. Uh, in fact, he's joining us from Singapore, Pankage Monga. How are you, Pankage, today? Hi, Farhad. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm good. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, just for context, uh, Pankage and I uh, met through uh, a mutual friend and colleague, Integra Senior Advisor, Kevin Donovan. So, Kevin, um, shout out to you for uh, making the introduction and which led to today's discussion, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, Pankage is a very highly regarded attorney, investigator, and brand protection executive. Um, rather than me do you any injustice, uh, Pankage, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure, Farhad, uh, it'll be an honor. So I'm a lawyer, uh, I'm an attorney, uh, and I'm also a brand protection, supply chain integrity, and a risk management professional. Uh, most recently, I was uh, leading GlaxoSmith clients and earlier Johnson Johnson's brand protection program in Asia Pacific. I was instrumental in establishing the function and leading the brand protection, anti-counterfeiting, anti-diversion and supply chain integrity roles. Uh, previously, I was uh, an attorney practicing uh, in South Asia, uh, and I was leading a Motion Picture Association of America's anti-piracy program uh, for over six years. Uh, this is my career 2.0. I've, I've now joined uh, uh, City, which is an IP boutique uh, law firm uh, in, in South Asia uh, It's uh, as a partner. And I'm also the practice head uh, for brand protection, litigation, investigations, and enforcement, risk management strategy in Asia Pacific. Um, I'm strategically based out of Singapore. Uh, I also serve as uh, external general counsel and advisor to privately held corporations and play an integral role in strategizing and helping implement growth plans for addressing business and IP risk for large corporations. Uh, so this this is uh, this is a brief for our old here. <laughs> no, that, I mean that's that's the, you've done a lot. It sounds like, and and I I know Kevin thinks very very highly of you, and um, you know I, I'm sure that our audience is going to get great value out of this uh, discussion. Um, so <clears throat> brand protection is a is a pretty broad term, right? It com- encompasses quite a bit. Um, can you talk a little bit about what brand protection means uh, on a high level and what it entails for any organization? Yeah, brand protection as uh, as we define for HUD uh, is, is protecting our brands against uh, counterfeits, against uh, parallel imports, against uh, other forms of illicit trade. And uh, it's, it's, it's a complete journey which, uh, which any client or any company would need to need to take. I mean, it's 
I mean, we in in the narrow sense, uh, most of the companies would view this as a as a reactive, uh, which is when um, uh, the brands are already violated uh, and the and the issue has raised a certain uh, tipping point, which is when the companies come into the play and uh, start off with uh, uh, incident management. Uh, which is which is I believe not bad uh, start uh, which is uh, but uh, which is which is like taking a decisive action against uh, uh, the counterfeiters who have violated your brands. Uh, but we must remember, I mean, we are we are fighting a faceless enemy here. Uh, we we don't know who the real man behind this is. Uh, so the idea is to have uh, a holistic approach uh, developed uh, to brand protection. Uh, which is which should be focusing on, in my view, on on the prevention side. Uh, so so essentially, I would I would uh, begin by uh, by by doing a, a sort of a, a landscape analysis and then basically be assessing uh, the size of the prize uh, and and knowing the near uh, true extent of counterfeiting uh, for for my products and and essentially be be building a strategy. Uh, as to how to uh, be more effective in a reactive fashion, as also develop a proactive preventative plan. Uh, I mean, doing doing a basic activity like doing a, a root cause analysis, uh, and then coming on to a point of identification of real reasons for counterfeiting. Uh, so that that uh, that essentially helps you identify areas. And then typically, I've done it for multiple brands, so I can I can share. A uh, few of the key uh, features is uh, that you have to uh, develop a holistic uh, brand prediction process, which includes uh, incident management, which includes uh, uh, protecting your uh, supply chain from any intrusion or any leakages. Uh, you have to protect your uh, product and the product packaging by addition of some uh, uh, security features. Uh, and, and while, while keeping in mind that merely adding the feature on the pack or the product doesn't solve the counterfeit problem, uh, you need to build a, a related uh, market monitoring plan uh, and, and be having an intent to use these features uh, going forward. Uh, then you have to look at uh, various aspects, uh, as I mentioned about supply chain production. So you, you have to look at uh, uh, distributor compliance, you have to uh, select your partners uh, carefully, who do you use in, in this fight against uh, counterfeits. And, and essentially, I mean, looking at uh, processes around uh, facility security, around uh, cargo security, and also looking at uh, uh, how you, how you uh, undertake the returns process. So these are, uh, uh, these are uh, some of the uh, some of the, I would say, key tenets uh, I would include in the brand protection program, uh, and and some of which may vary. Uh, in in, I mean, if you go by product by product or segment by segment, uh, but in in uh, in a sense, I mean, these are these are the few things that we should be undertaking. Sure. No, that's uh, you. You actually uh, sort of addressed the, uh, my next question, which was. Uh, uh, you know, how does supply chain play a role in protecting your brand? And I, I think, um, again, we, we do a lot of uh, investigations related to this, uh, the proactive uh, uh, approach to 
supply chain is probably uh, one of the most important things that you could do to protect your brand, correct? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're so, right. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's uh, talk about some of your experiences with um, supply chain management um, and what you see as uh, some of the biggest challenges, particularly in today's environment. I know your, uh, you know, your focus much of your career has been Asia. Um, you know, feel free to focus there, where obviously there's been quite of uh, quite a bit of counterfeiting and other issues that have arose related to supply chain brand protection or more globally whatever you you feel comfortable with sure sure uh, uh, first things first uh, so I, I would say I mean uh, uh, working in Asia Pacific uh, which is what we all identify uh, as uh, as a problem area uh, and, and and essentially I mean uh, China, as you know, uh, is in Asia Pacific, which is which is known to be uh, the world's counterfeit factory, and and essentially a uh, large part of the trade and commerce happens through uh, Asia Pacific. So uh, my my experience in Asia Pacific, I would say, can be easily uh, transposed to uh, other regions as well. And and of course, I mean, there'll be there'll be some learnings uh, from from other regions, uh, but. But largely, I mean, I would say in principle, uh, about 80 to 85 percent uh, things would uh, things can squarely be applied with with uh, with some customization in in other geographies as well. Uh, second, I wanted to just address on the supply chain. You you did mention uh, the supply chain. Uh, I would I would call it uh, a network, a supply network, uh, because chain uh, as as uh, you would say, uh, and uh, as, it, as it sounds, uh, chain is generally linear. And our supply chains, because of uh, very many factors, have become into networks. So I'll, I like to call them supply networks. And, and uh, as, as it is uh, a network between the company and its suppliers uh, to produce and distribute a specific uh, product or service. Uh, this is, uh, however, more complex. Uh, the entities in the supply chain or supply network include uh, producers, vendors, uh, warehouses, transportation companies, distribution centers, and retailers. Uh, the functions in the supply chain include uh, product development, marketing, operations, distribution, finance, and customer service. Uh, this supply chain network becomes more and more complex with increase uh, in number of intermediaries especially when your products are sold in multiple countries, multiple geographies. Uh, I, I've learned it over a period of time that the, the top uh, supply chain vulnerabilities are uh, uh, lack of control throughout the supply chain, uh, lack of visibility into the product flow, uh, distribution compliance uh, in, with regard to supply chain uh, safe and secure practices, uh, reverse logistics, uh, which is when uh, the product goes out of uh, your supply chain and then uh, re-enters the supply chain. Uh, and, and we don't know what shape and form uh, the product comes back. Uh, cargo security uh, is big. Uh, pricing arbitrage, uh, repackaging from uh, original containers and over-labeling is a, is a big, big uh, uh, vulnerability there because it, it leads to multiple handling of uh, product. 
and uh, you you never know i mean what could be what could be introduced into your uh, ledger supply chain uh, then there are uncoordinated uh, incidents of investigation uh, internet uh, both uh, boone and bain uh, lack of regulations and uh, unknown uh, sources of supply uh, so you can't really track uh, uh, in in some cases uh, where the product is originating from uh, or it requires uh, a lot of resources uh, at, at one's end to be basically looking at uh, where the where the product source uh, lies. Uh, then inventory flows, uh, which are asynchronous to the financial transactions. Uh, sometimes it's 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 really difficult to identify as to where the where the product uh, uh, is originating from, where the where the money trail is leading you to. Uh, maybe maybe completing completely different uh, areas. Uh, these all vulnerability coupled with the COVID pandemic, uh, which has really stirred up the supply chains across the product lines uh, across the globe. Uh, I would say uh, companies who apparently survived uh, the volatility, uh, volatility of the pandemic uh, likely did so by getting lean, uh, selling through its inventory and focusing on working capital. Uh, in, in these pandemic times, in today's environment, I would say the biggest challenges uh, that we have is uh, of material scarcity, uh, uh, insufficient inputs uh, uh, have been a concern since the pandemic began uh, due to abrupt rise in consumer demands uh, like never before. And uh, uh, the companies and suppliers are, are really struggling to meet this demand in the, in the midst of this uh, availability of many parts and uh, materials. Uh, then you then you have this uh, increasing freight process, uh, which is which is primarily due to lack of uh, shipping containers, and and uh, some of the shipping containers is being uh, being stuck uh, and not being able to move. So it it uh, it creates uh, some sort of uh, uh, insufficiency in in shipping capacity and also unprecedented shortage of uh, empty or uh, available containers and it greatly hampers the uh, movements of goods. Uh, uh, talking about uh, difficult demand forecasting, uh, I mean, it's in these pandemic times, it's really this new layer of complexity has been added to uh, the supply chain management. Uh, so you, you never know. Uh, and and uh, whatever uh, earlier practices were, uh, they were based on some data, uh, but this data which you have during the pandemic time it's it's grossly insufficient to be making uh, any any forecasting uh, then you have uh, changing uh, consumer attitudes uh, they they really have changed uh, during the pandemic uh, and and they would they they would like to have lowering the uh, threshold of uh, delivery times and, and essentially uh, raising the requirement for a positive customer experience uh, all these uh, above, which is what I mentioned, have, have really fueled uh, the ever-increasing uh, problem of uh, illicit trade. And uh, illicit trade, uh, as, I, as I like to call it, uh, which includes uh, counterfeiting and product diversion, and I would say parallel imports, uh, this is clearly one of the greatest challenges uh, of the present times. It is a threat to patient and consumer safety. Uh, it impacts uh, companies' revenue and reputation. And it also shakes the consumer uh, in, in brands, which, which takes really years to build uh, by, by a corporation.
Uh, so, if I could in, interrupt you for just a second about, uh, you just mentioned something interesting about, um, I guess, counterfeiting and issues that have arisen. So are, are you saying like um, that, you know, while in some ways uh, supply and uh, I guess has gone down because of the pandemic on the authentic products and services, that there's been an increase in counterfeit to, to sort of fill that gap during yes. the pandemic? Yes, yes. And there, there are reports uh, which, which are coming through and uh, we read that in the, in the, in the newspaper and uh, other industry reports are being called out, uh, which are going, uh, which are suggestive of this, that uh, counterfeiting has in fact gone up. And, 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 and because of this pandemic, what, what we had seen is uh, that these, uh, these complexities, uh, which is what I mentioned, uh, has actually led to uh, growth of domestic counterfeiting industry. Uh, so you would, you would see the counterfeit product being manufactured in, in countries like uh, India, Brazil, uh, Colombia, and, and, and Bangladesh, uh, and then which, is, which is where uh, we have seen a shift uh, from, from earlier activities in China. Uh, I would not say uh, it's too early to comment uh, whether, whether, whether uh, the counterfeiting activity from China has reduced. Uh, I would say, I mean, there, there are alternate centers uh, which, are, which are being uh, uh, established or which are coming up uh, in these pandemic times. That's, that's interesting. I mean, again, it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, in, in some ways, I guess the criminals are, are, are figuring it out and the, the legitimate folks are having, uh, you know, difficulty. I mean, I, I experienced it uh, just recently uh, because uh, our family had to get a new vehicle and it was a nightmare because of the chip shortage that uh, exists. And I guess, you know, that's an area where, you know, counterfeit chips are not going to uh, going to work so uh it worked out but the uh you know it's 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 really uh kind of an interesting thing that again the criminals have sort of shifted to uh account for the demand uh but uh legitimately it's very difficult for many companies to meet the actual demand yeah i so, I, I would say i mean it's, it's it's always worked on uh the principle of uh demand and supply uh essentially and if, if there is a real demand for uh cheaper price product and uh, with, with acceptable quality, uh, which, is, which is what uh, counterfeiters are focusing on uh, these days. I, I think uh, they would be making sale uh, any which ways. Uh, sure. So it, it works on both the principles, it's, uh, the push and the pull. Uh, so the pull strategy is essentially when, when there, is a, there is a demand in the market, which is not being uh, fulfilled by the legit uh, uh, manufacturers, uh, then essentially uh, the counterfeiters would, would come into play. I mean, they, they are not the ones who will, who will actually create a market for their product. They want to latch on to uh, the brand owner and the manufacturer's uh, established market and where, where there is a shortfall of, uh, sure. of, uh, of, of product supply. Yep. No, that, it, that's interesting. So, you know, um, in terms of uh, like, uh, I guess, uh, supply chain like again issues that arise right uh, brand protection issues that that arise um, obviously as you know uh, having been 
what being an attorney, I should say, and being an investigator, uh, that there's, you know, again, in terms of addressing these issues, there's, a, you know, multiple components of an organization that come into play, right? That there's legal, there's security, there's investigations, there's brand protect, there, there's a lot of different entities involved. And one of the things that we notice in, in terms of, you know, when we're engaged to do an investigation it, is that it doesn't seem like all the different, it, it's almost seems like competing interests sometimes where, you know, people from different departments are on different pages, right? So the business unit, uh, based on where they are, perhaps they don't want to create a stir and they want the issue to go away, but they don't want to make it public, right? The legal department is worried about different things, obviously, which you could explain further. And then security and investigations uh, is focused on let's catch the bad guys and take action against them sometimes, right? I mean, it, obviously, there's a variation to all of these things. But so why do you think that is? I mean, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm uh, so far. Like, I can talk about it, but it's, it's not the more, uh, most, most popular answer. Uh, sort of, yes, but I'll, I'll be, I'll be truthful here. Uh, yeah. And essentially, I mean, having worked in law department, security, and and brand protection, and managing uh, these, these incidents and these functions, uh, and uh, for, for the last about 15 years, I've, I've gained these insights. And, and essentially, I've, uh, how I have done it is because. Uh, I, I I was in these roles, and I and I and I would see my counterparts working uh, who don't have these uh, uh, shared responsibilities uh, as to how they were different from what I was doing, right? And I, why I was more effective in in doing things, uh, and and uh, there was there was sometime uh, a challenge for uh, my counterparts to be to be uh, getting, I mean, to be that successful in in doing certain projects or tasks. Uh, I, I would say uh, you would agree with me uh, that that I mean both the functions, uh, legal and security, are are essentially support functions, and uh, it each carries uh, I would say in my eyes equal importance in in any organization, and the and the roles are generally uh, delineated and are are designed in a such a fashion uh, so as uh, the functions can work uh, with collaboration and in tandem. Uh, when it comes to uh, supply chain security issues and uh, brand protection, uh, like handling of illicit trade matters, it becomes even more important uh, for them to work together. Uh, conflicts, uh, where they occur, uh, if I must say, uh, it has more to do with the personalities, uh, which leads them to turf wars and uh, battles of supremacy uh, for their respective functions. Uh, the two functions here uh, must realize that they both are the cost centers and are not the profit centers, and they never will be. <laughs> all, all they must do is to help and aid the commercial organization, which is sales and marketing, which are which are the profit centers of the of the company, uh, to meet its uh, goals and objectives, uh, which I guess should be should be their singular aim. Uh, and, and this is this is what I have uh, I have realized uh, because I was fortunate I was uh, triple hatting these functions uh, there was a there was a seamless delivery I mean I I, I didn't need to uh, go through these uh, challenges myself uh, but but this is this is just uh, 
my my take uh, uh, of, of of this issue. I would say. Sure. No, I, I mean it, it's interesting. I mean, being on the um, the vendor side, uh, you know, not being an insider in, in a sense, uh, it, it sometimes uh, again it, you get. Um, you get sort of mixed messages in terms of because you know as you know the the focus the, the way that an investigation is conducted the the information collected all that sort of stuff can vary depending on what the end goal is right and you know when you get mixed messages sometimes it, it, it can get complicated so uh, i appreciate your 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 thought process so you're you're basically saying it it ultimately almost comes down to the individuals, not so much uh, the, the the departments or anything like yeah. that, right? I, I would I would say I mean this is this is more to do with personalities as as opposed to the functions uh, because um, yeah yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah I can I can I can share uh, an example if you want me to yeah yeah that would be great. Yeah, so uh, primarily, I mean, uh, let's let's uh, pick an example of a supply chain integrity issue. Say, say counterfeiting, uh, and and uh, as uh, in most organizations happens, uh, uh, the counterfeit issue is uh, is uh, forwarded to the security function, who is who is primarily responsible for uh, product security investigations and, and maybe a follow up uh, on on the enforcement action. So they should ideally, uh, to my mind, engage the legal function early on uh, in the in the matter and discuss the legal strategy, which will mm. help them identify uh, the end objective of the investigation, which is which is what uh, uh, they're they're about to conduct, uh, and then basis which uh, security function can formulate a investigation strategy, uh, keeping in mind. Uh, what would be uh, admissible in evidence, uh, which is what uh, law department or legal department or legal function is, is supposed to tell them and initiate uh, and conduct this investigation. And once the investigation is completed, work with legal function, share the evidence in hand and, and develop uh, an enforcement strategy and then plan its execution. And thus uh, working jointly, eliminating the enemy of the company, uh, which, is, which is a counterfeiter in this case. Right. So that's that's where I see uh, uh, synergies being developed and, and essentially, I mean, uh, avoiding these uh, personality clashes or, or turf wars. Uh, I would say, I mean, legal function uh, uh, can uh, lead the cultural shift in the business because they're, they're, they're part of the leadership team. They, they sit on the board. Uh, they can they can actually influence uh, the company to adopt a mindset of control and visibility, uh, which is which is again uh, driving uh, security functions uh, agenda. Uh, they can uh, communicate to uh, associate uh, suppliers, uh, contract manufacturers, trading partners uh, that that uh, the company product requires extreme surveillance and uh, vigilance and accountability. And especially especially this is in in the healthcare segment. Uh, that the products do require, and it's it's it's, a, it's everybody's responsibility. Uh, I would sure. say, I mean, uh, people people who are having the security uh, title or or legal uh, function title, uh, they have a responsibility for sure. They may be accountable for certain things, uh, but it's everybody's responsibility too. And then everybody must play their part uh, in in the fight against scams. You, you make you make it sound so simple, package. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 
it'd be great if, if, if you know, I, I think that I think the interesting thing that you say about speaking, you know, before anything is commenced about, you know, what's the strategy, what's the end goal, what's going to be okay, what's not, you know, it's funny because for large corporations that literally can have dozens and dozens of issues going on at, at any given time, right? Sometimes, you know, uh, it, it, like acting first uh, because the, you know, just finding out what's going on and then figuring it out later seems to happen a lot. And I think that's, I, I think you're right. I think that's what the issue is, is that later it's like, all right, well, you should have, we should have talked about this before because now, you know, that this, this, this is, this ship is sailed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it, it, it happens a lot uh, in half. It, it happens a lot. Uh, so, you, I mean, there, there are, there are instances where, where you, where you have once investigated or interrogated a person uh, and in, in civil world, you would call it uh, interviewed a person. Uh, yeah. You really, you really can't go back uh, if you have mm -hmm. missed out on it. Right. So yep. uh, there, there's, there's no second chance. So to speak. Sure. Uh, no, absolutely. Well, that's, uh, I mean, a, a really interesting discussion package. Uh, usually we, we end our show with just takeaways from, from the episode. Right. Um, and from, from listening to you, um, it sounds to me like, um, you know, the takeaways to managing your brand, protection program to managing your supply chain has to do with you know long before you have a problem ideally obviously you, you can't not everyone has the luxury of resources and everything like that but for for those who do or those that don't i mean there's still proactive steps that can be taken like you have to uh, the best approach is to try to uh stay ahead of it sort of analyze what your issues are what's causing them uh, you know, come up with, you know, potential solutions and deploy. And then it's, it's a uh, dynamic thing. It's, it's it got to be constantly managed and adjusted to account for the problems of today and the future. Right. I mean, that's, that's what I'm taking away. Um, what do you have to add to that? I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would, I would, um, I mean, I, you, you've summed it up very, very nicely. It's a, uh, so I would say, uh, uh, when we when we talk about uh, uh, legal uh, working along with security and uh, conducting investigations and and basically protecting a supply chain, yeah. uh, we, we have to do all of it. Uh, we have to do it in a collaborative fashion, and uh, we need to have uh, an early strategy uh, and, and and an approach uh, to address uh, uh, these kind of issues. I mean, it all goes part and parcel. I mean, I think that that people, you know, the organization has to have a strategy. The people within the organization responsible for it have to have a strategy. And you have to fight this problem head on uh, because the less you fight it, the more it grows and the more you fight it, it seems that, you know, uh, you get control over it and, and get it reduced. So, um very interesting. And then, you know, just uh, the, the one last thing to kind of uh, bring everything together, which you've addressed already um, in terms of advice that you might have to people serving in uh, legal roles as well as security roles, which you've held both. Um, just any sort of uh, thoughts you have on that to um, get past um, 
potential internal sort of issues that arise to not, you know, be collaborative in, in the efforts against these issues? So definitely, I mean, legal legal uh, can actually uh, lead uh, a cultural shift uh, in the in the businesses which they support. Uh, I would say, I mean, the council which they can have for their stakeholders uh, is 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 essentially that these uh, supply chain and uh, security practices uh, do not slow business growth. Uh, they in fact accelerate it, and uh, and essentially. Uh, they should they should hold our leaders and partners uh, accountable for uh, supply chain integrity and then basically uh, build in a culture of uh, uh, and in, in security terms we say trust with verification so yeah yeah and uh, bring in uh, build in that culture you, you know <laughs> just the last thing I'm going to say is as I listen to what you just said you know one of the and a lot of successful business leaders talk about this right um is that you know like certain functions are not and, and you've mentioned this several times during this discussion are support functions right legal security a lot there's a administration all that sort of stuff are support functions at the end of the day every business needs revenues uh and and drive sales because if they don't then none of these problems exist, right? If they don't develop products, they don't get it out to market, they don't make sales, then none of these problems really exist. And I think that's a good overall, like understanding your role within the business and understanding how, uh, you know, ultimately you're trying to support a solution, not create additional issues, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's excellent. Uh, well, I, I really appreciate your time um, and um, thank you for joining us today. Um, uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please continue to send your comments and questions to info at integrisintel.com. We will put um, uh, Pankage's uh, LinkedIn profile in the uh, description of the podcast. Um, so please feel free to reach out to him as well. He's an excellent resource uh, around the globe, but certainly in Asia in case uh, you have any issues there. And then um, Pankage, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks thanks for, for having me over. Uh, it was real uh, pleasure uh, talking, to, talking to you and, uh, and the audience. And thanks so much for this opportunity, I would say. Yep, absolutely. Thanks so much. Don't forget to follow us. We are on LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.